Hi, and welcome to the third article in our Practical Discipleship series. In the previous article, we started to explore how we can grow deeper in our relationship with God. And the key practice that we looked at to help us do that was engaging with the Bible. In this third article, we will continue to explore the first spoke in our discipleship wheel, knowing God. But we are going to look at another practice that is also hugely important in keeping our relationship with God alive and vital engaging in prayer. To do this, we'll look at three key parts of this practice, the what, the why, and the how of prayer. So let's start by looking at the what. What do we mean by prayer? That may seem like an obvious question. Most of us have prayed at some time. Even people who are unsure that God exists pray. When we need something or things become desperate, God is often the one that we turn to. At its most basic, Prayer is simply talking to God, and it is often about asking for something. But if we think that prayer is mainly about asking for things, it can mean that we come to prayer with a couple of ideas. One is that prayer is just for the times when I am needy or desperate. And another is that prayer is just a process to get things from God. That means prayer is about asking, and if God doesn't answer, he has let us down or doesn't even exist. God becomes a sort of heavenly vending machine who is there to give me what I need and to patch up things when they go wrong. This view of prayer can let us down badly. It doesn't do justice either to what prayer can be like or who God is. The Bible paints a much deeper and richer picture of prayer and a much bigger picture of God. Prayer is not just an opportunity to ask for things, It is central to developing a deep and intimate relationship with God. When we engage in prayer, we draw close to God. Like any good relationship, there is backward and forward. Imagine a friendship where every time you got together, all you did was pull out a list of things you would like to see done. Friendship sometimes involves asking, but it is also a place where sometimes we express our gratitude for what they have done for us and sometimes our appreciation and admiration for who they are. A good friendship can also be a safe place where we can feel free to admit our failures and experience love and forgiveness, and a place where we feel able to share our highest joys and our deepest fears. God, of course, is much more than a friend. God loves us more deeply than the closest and most loyal friend. And because of that, we can come to God and have a conversation that contains all those things. The hard thing is that sometimes God can seem so big and distant. Who am I to bring the little things that happen during my day to the creator of the universe? Or how can I dare express to God my frustration and doubts and anger? But the Bible tells us that God longs to hear from us. Prayer is a time where we can express our gratitude and appreciation. It is a time when we can bring the smallest detail of our day and know that God is interested, and bring the largest of fears and doubts and sadness and know that God can handle whatever we bring. As we grow to know God, prayer becomes not just a place to bring our requests, but a place of comfort and security and refreshment. It is a place where we can sit and enjoy the deep love that God has for us. So that is a little of what prayer is about. What about the next question? Why should we pray? The first and possibly most obvious reason to engage in prayer is that we are told to. 
Jesus encouraged the disciples to always pray and not give up. He told them to ask things from God and promised that God would answer. And it wasn't just Jesus. In his letter to the church at Ephesus, Paul urged the church to keep on praying for all the Lord's people and the church at Colossae to continue steadfastly in prayer. And people like Jesus and Paul didn't just tell people they should pray. They were models of people who prayed themselves. In fact, the Bible is full of examples of people praying. Jesus thought prayer was so important that in the middle of an incredibly busy ministry, preaching to the crowds and healing the sick, he would go up into the hills and spend all night in prayer. We also see in Paul's letter how he fervently prayed for the churches that he was writing to. But there is something behind both being told and seeing people who pray that gives us an even greater reason to pray. Both of these are saying loud and clear, prayer does something. When Jesus told the disciples to pray, it was usually accompanied by a promise that God would answer. And the example of people praying suggests that they believed that they just weren't wasting their time. They fully expected that God would do something in response to their prayers. But believing that God answers our prayer raises a natural question. Does God always answer our prayers? And if he doesn't, which prayers does God answer? Most of us know from experience that God doesn't answer every prayer that we make. What do we do with that? There is no simple answer. As we have just seen, we are invited to pray and promise that God will answer those prayers. But from other passages, it doesn't seem that it is an open-ended promise. We are also given guidelines on what to pray. For example, we are told to pray according to God's will. That suggests that we won't just get everything that we ask for. And we are told that God is a good father who gives good things to his children. Again, good parents don't give their children everything they ask for. On a very practical level, if God answered all our prayers, the weather and the traffic would become chaotic. A bit later, we'll look at how we can pray according to God's will. But the takeaway message here is that we are promised that prayer is effective. That doesn't mean we'll receive everything that we ask for, but God delights to hear our prayers and give us good things. Our job is to pray. We can then leave the rest to God, trusting that God knows better than we do what is best. Believing that God will answer is central to the why of prayer. But, as we explored earlier, prayer is much more than an opportunity to bring our needs and requests to God. Prayer is also about knowing God. It is a time when we grow deeper in our relationship with God. We can come to a place where we experience God's forgiveness, grace, freedom and love. It is a place where we can move from knowing about God in our heads to experiencing him in our hearts. But for some of us, growing closer to God may not sound all that attractive. It very much depends on our image of God. Do we see God as a strict judge or a harsh schoolteacher who wants us to come to their office and admit everything that we have done wrong? Do we see God as someone who knows us inside out and is disappointed with what they see? If our image of God is of someone like this, chances are we'll have no appetite for prayer. We may do it out of a sense of duty or obedience, but there will be little joy. And there will be little sense of the wonder and privilege of coming before an almighty but loving God. 
If that is the case, we may need to go back to what we talked about in the previous article, to engage with the Bible and to spend time soaking in the boundless enormity of his love and grace towards us. When we know God in that way, prayer becomes more than a discipline or duty. It becomes a time where we can enjoy being in the presence of one who loves us deeply, even more than we can understand. We can bask in the grace and goodness and love of someone who delights in us. We pray because we come to someone who sees our faults and failures and meets them with grace and forgiveness. Someone who is never surprised or shocked by our worst failures and loves us despite them. We pray because we come to someone who listens and cares for us through our doubts and fears and sadness. Someone who is never overwhelmed or can't handle our questions and grief and anxiety. So the practice of prayer is central to our relationship with God. But our relationship with God is also central to our practice of prayer. If you find it difficult and dull and lifeless to pray, take some time to think about how you see God that you are praying to. If we believe that coming to God in prayer is the safest, surest, most loving place we can go, the place to rediscover our solid ground and footing, it is more likely that it will be a place that we find time to go to. So, we've been invited into a relationship with God, the creator of the universe, who loves and delights in us in a way that is hard to fully understand. And as part of that relationship, we have the privilege of being able to talk to our creator God in prayer. Let's now focus then on the how. How do we pray? First, prayer is a time of confession and repentance. It's a time when we can bring our faults, our mistakes, and our brokenness to God. Not to dwell on what we have done wrong or to beat ourselves up, just the opposite. We are promised forgiveness. We don't come before a school principal or a parent waiting to dish out punishment. We come before a God of love and grace. We can bring our faults and failures to God to unload them, to ask for help, to change and go out again lighter and freer. And confession and repentance are not limited to the things we have done wrong. It's a time to share what we are struggling with, our frustrations and doubts and uncertainties and even our anger. We can't hide them from God and we don't need to hide them. If we look at the book of Psalms, which are not just songs, but conversations with God, there are many times of anger and sorrow and doubt. We can also talk and cry and even shout out to God. God is big enough to handle our questions and anger. God longs for us to be close to him no matter what we are going through. Those times are not times to avoid God. They are the times we most need to be close to him. As well as confession and repentance, prayer is also a time to rejoice, to give praise and thanks to God. Again, if we look at the book of Psalms, they are full of rejoicing in thanks and praise, even in the midst of doubt and fear. We praise God for his goodness and mercy and power and authority and majesty and all the things that we learn of him in the Bible and the world around us. And we thank God for all the things that he has given us. Following on from our time of confession and repentance, we can start with his grace and forgiveness, that we are made clean and free. We can thank him for the good things he has given us physically, for food and clothing and somewhere to sleep, for friends and the good people in our lives. And we can thank him for the good things he has given us spiritually, 
for new life, for abundant life, for the freedom and peace and hope that we have been given through the good news of Jesus. There will be times of grief and sadness when it is hard to praise and thank God from our hearts. But even in those times, and even more so in those times, it is good to spend time to reflect on the good things that we still enjoy or have enjoyed in the past. It can draw us close to God and help to relieve some of the hurt and sadness that we feel. And of course, as well as repentance and rejoicing, prayer is a time to request and to ask things from God. We ask for ourselves. There is nothing too small that we can ask for. The most famous prayer of all teaches us to pray for even the bread for the day. And there is nothing too big. In fact, the great thing is that God is not limited by our prayers. Even when there are things that seem too big to us, God is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine. And we don't just ask things for ourselves. We ask things for others. People around us have all sorts of needs. We can bring them all before God. We can pray for their health, their financial needs, their grief and sadness and fear, their loneliness, their need to hear the good news of Jesus and follow him, their growth in spiritual maturity. There is no limit to what we can pray for people. Even if we can't serve people directly, we can serve them through prayer. So prayer is much more than just asking God for what we need or want. It's a time just to be with God, to talk over what is on our own heart and to seek to know what is on God's heart. It is spending time praising God for who he is, for expressing our gratitude for what he has given us and to look for guidance and comfort. And sometimes it's a time of expressing our anger, our confusion, our sadness, our disappointment and our frustration. God is there waiting to hear us and to be with us. He knows what is on our hearts. It is no time for putting on a show or acting holy. We can be who we are. We can say how we feel. God is our loving Father who delights in our presence. We can enjoy that privilege. How then do we put prayer into practice? There are a number of ways that Christians over the centuries have engaged in prayer, and there is no one right way. In this article, we'll explore a simple way to pray that brings together the main parts of prayer that we have looked at. This will help provide a foundation of prayer for those who are looking for a way to pray. But for those who have a good foundation of prayer already, we will also explore other ways that we can engage in. The first step is to work out when and where to pray. There is no right place or time. We can pray at any time and in any place. We can pray as we sit, as we walk, in the bus going to work or in our room. However, to help make it a regular practice, many people find it helpful to set aside a time each day. As with reading the Bible, this can be morning or evening. Many people combine their Bible reading and prayer time into what is sometimes called a quiet time or devotions. Our Bible reading can naturally lead into prayer as one of the responses that we make to what we have read. The second step is thinking about how to pray. As we just explored, prayer has many aspects. It includes confession and repentance, praise and thanksgiving, and asking for our own needs and the needs of others. Therefore, having some way to structure our prayers to include each of these different aspects can be helpful. There are several tools that can help us do this. We'll focus on a simple one here, but you can find other tools that people find helpful, 
in the additional resources section of the website. The prayer tool that we'll look at here is another three reads. Repent, rejoice, request. We first of all come to God and repent of anything in our life that we are aware of and need to confess before God. We then rejoice, giving thanks and praise to God for the good things that he has given us either recently or in general. Then we request, we ask God for things on our hearts for ourselves and others. The third step is to think about how we can be systematic in praying for others. Praying for people can be helped by keeping a notebook or using a prayer app. These types of apps can keep track of who you would like to pray for regularly and to write down requests or needs as they come up. You can find some of these apps in the additional resources section. If you're unsure about who and what to pray for, the Bible is a good guide. We are told to pray for our own necessities like food, to pray for the needs of others, for the leaders in our church and our society. If you're unsure what to pray for, go to the first chapters of the letters to the Colossians and Ephesians and Philippians. They are full of Paul's prayers for the churches. Reading what he prayed for them is a great starting point for knowing how we can pray for our brothers and sisters. And if you're uncertain, don't stress. We're told that the Holy Spirit helps us even when we are unsure what to pray. Don't worry, God won't be limited by our prayers. The three reads is just one way to pray, but there are different ways that many people use to guide their prayers. Another way is pray, pause, rejoice, ask and yield. And another is acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving and supplication. The method that you use is not important. The idea behind these is simply to help you make your prayer life well-rounded and to include the different types of prayer. Talk to others and find out what they do to keep their prayer life fresh. It's not about finding the correct way to pray. It's about finding a way to pray that helps to stay regular and consistent and helps to keep close in our relationship with God. If you've been following Jesus for a while, you may already be familiar with these ways of praying. The issue for you may be more about staying motivated and keeping times of prayer fresh than knowing how to pray. If that's the case for you, try looking at different approaches to prayer. You can find some suggestions in the additional resources of the website. There are also a number of other practices related to prayer that have been used by Christians. We shouldn't get caught up in the technique, but these can be helpful means to deepen our relationship with God. They include practices such as silence, solitude, contemplation, and fasting. For many people, spending time in nature can be a powerful way that enhances their ability to engage in prayer, appreciating and savouring the beauty with wonder, awe and fascination can be helpful in drawing close to God. Going on a retreat can be another helpful practice that brings some of these things together. Taking a day or even a number of days to soak in God's word, to reflect deeply, to engage in prayer and to respond can be a powerful and even life-changing, particularly when grappling with big issues. Worship is another practice that can draw us close to God. Worship includes many things. It includes prayer as we praise God for all that he is. Worship can also be expressed in poetry or song. We can sing alone or we can sing with others. 
Even if we don't sing, listening to hymns and Christian songs can be a great way to engage our hearts in worship. Consider building your own playlist of favourite songs that you can listen to as you walk, travel or sit. As we get to the end of this article and wrap up, we have seen that engaging in prayer is the privilege that we have been given to talk to God, the creator of the universe. Prayer is not just an opportunity to ask for our needs and the needs of others. It's an opportunity to draw close to God and to experience his grace, forgiveness and love. Building prayer into our lives provides a foundation that is hugely important in growing in our relationship with God. In the next article, we'll explore the next spoke in the wheel of discipleship, the overflow of our relationship with God. This is our calling to transformation, to Christ-likeness. God makes an amazing promise that as we follow Jesus, we will be reformed, conformed and transformed, changed to look like him. What does that look like and how do we get there? That's what we will look at next.